Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Runner's World podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with Adaranand Finn. Adaranand is the author of books such as Running with the Kenyans and The Rise of the Ultra Runners. We speak with him about how running can prepare us for times of crisis. Um, how you doing, Ben? Hey, I'm all right, actually. Yeah, I'm, f- I'm feeling okay. I mean, um, I think that the paranoia is setting in somewhat in terms of uh, physical well-being. I think that every single, every single thing that I feel now, I, uh, I attribute to possibly becoming infected, which I think is probably uh, how a lot of feel- people feel, maybe. Definitely, Ben. Yeah, I think anything that could be ordinarily put under kind of a mild cold or a slight sniffle yeah. or um, I coughed once yesterday, you can start thinking, right, well, presumably, presumably that's me then. I'm, this is this is my descent into the COVID-19, you know, um, virus. But but you're feeling you're feeling generally all right, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. I've, I've you know, apart from yeah, as you say, like symptoms that you would think are not really are anything. But probably, you know, I'm absolutely fine. Like I feel good. I've been out uh, running and, and cycling and enjoying my social mm. distancing correctly. Um, and while we can, um, so you know, I, I yeah, it's all fine. I just think that the, the the biggest issue I'm probably having at the moment is the is the is the paranoia and the fear. Well, I think a lot of people are in the same boat as that, mate. I think I, I definitely put myself in the kind of uh, slightly heightened uh, awareness of mm. any possible um, illness. Uh, there were some, well, some, some interesting um, developments around my way. So Brockwell Park uh, was in the news because it, it attracted 3,000 people on Saturday. And then um, Lambeth, the, uh, the, the council, decided that... Um, that meant actually it should be shut on Sunday because people were, in its opinion, kind of flouting um, the social distancing rules. We've, we've talked about this. We felt like probably something like this was going to happen, um, maybe not in Brockwell, but in, in, in other London parks. What, what's, your, what's your take on that? Um, I think it's difficult because immediately in my head, I've got images of, of, of the worst case scenario, which is, you know, gaggles of people amassing to have barbecues and to drink beers in the sunshine like any normal summer's day uh, and basically ruining it for everyone and being harbingers of doom and bringing death and disease upon us all um <laughs> but but um you know a uh, 3000 people sounds like a lot i think yeah. that in in this in in the, in the state that we're in at the moment that seems incredibly unwise and dangerous to have that number mm. of people in a park i'm going to say that obviously people don't people behave to congregate that sounds like a, you know it's not i don't know it's it's a metric that's difficult to sort of to comp- comprehend because i don't really know anything about brockwell park so it's kind of a it's a tricky one if someone said to me like oh there were three thousand people on uh, you know hackney marshes or walthamstow marshes or something like that i can kind of almost see that you could probably have that many people in it be all right as in the so as in yeah, people, people could listen to the rules and 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 be distanced from each other. Um, it doesn't sound like a smart mm. thing to do, but I don't think it would break any protocol. I think it's important to put these figures in context, isn't it? Because three thousand people does sound like a lot. It, mm. it is a lot, and, and I think Lambeth probably in this case was right to act because 
in some senses, if people are just out sunbathing, the message that, that sends out oh. not only to other Londoners, but to people outside of London is that people aren't taking a very, very se- serious situation um, very seriously. No. Uh, but it was, in, but it's in, it was interesting on the, if you actually break down the figures, someone with a better <laughs> sense of maths than myself has done this. But they said 3,000 people um, sounds like a lot, but Brockwell Park is 125 acres, basically. So that's... Um, that's basically twenty-four people per acre, which is roughly the same as if you were if you were to sort of line up um, football teams at the start of a match. That's kind of twenty-two people in, in an acre, so it's, it's roughly the same kind of distance as, you, as you'd have in that formation, if that's useful. Um, oh, so like so a, fo- actually, a football pitch is almost like an acre. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and in, in Brockwell Park, if everyone, if all three thousand people turned up at the same time, which presumably they didn't. Um, you'd have a density similar to um, players on a, on a football pitch. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of... Uh, so, And that's what, that would be within the limits of, um, you know, people keeping two metres apart. We've talked about this, but I think we just need to err on the side of caution, don't we? People are worried um, with, you know, with good reason. And actually, the message that it sends out is, is the wrong one. So shutting a park for, for a day... I think is is all right, but I, I, you do worry about people who who don't have gardens. There's there's lots of high rise flats uh, in Lambeth, and something like Blockwell Park and other parks are just like they're they're an absolute lifeline for people. So yeah. Yeah. no, yeah, I agree. It's, I just, it's hard I just, on that point. It is hard. I just I read I read some interesting some interesting takes on this on on Twitter. You know, like it's it's obviously if it was like if the circumstance was anything else but this. And it was a nice warm day and you didn't have a garden and there was other some sort of, you know, thing going on. You could sort of make the rule of like, oh, yeah. But if you go to a park and you don't adhere to these rules and you're mixing with people and you suddenly are contributing to the spread, that's no reason to go to a park. Yeah, that's it's not it's not a good enough. It's not a good enough reason. I just I think um. But yeah, my my sympathy is is, is with oh, 100%. people who've got have got young kids and yeah, and just Mate, a lack of, I'm, I'm, of green space. But yeah, yeah, we moved into this house. Um, you know, we moved into our place a, a year and a bit ago, and we didn't have anything really outside before. Certainly not enough to entertain a toddler for or well, these three to for this you know for the foreseeable future. Um, and we have a bit of space now, and it's an absolute godsend. So like, I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, I completely see both sides of it from not having any to having some. Like it is, it's a huge, it makes a huge difference. I just, it's just very tricky to sort of like what could be something that causes a death uh, just because you mm. want to go out in the sun. You know, we didn't go out in the sun. I spent yesterday painting the spare room, you know, uh, a useful, <laughs> you, a useful You know path. how to live, Ben, don't you? Do you you know, know how to live. It's a nice warm day. Paint will set nicely when the weather's nice. <laughs> Open the window, got the breeze through. It's a lovely job, I've still got to say. So, you know, I, I use the, the time like that. And I'm not saying that's what everyone should do because painting is quite boring. But, you know, it's such a hard topic to, to sort of get your head around because everyone's just reacting as they feel they should at the time. And that's it. Yes, yes. I guess I guess the, the bigger worry here is, is that the closure of parks is, the, is a kind of precursor to um, the banning of, of outdoor yeah. exercise. I know that you've been on our Instagram page and there's some, some people have been sort of uh, expressing their, their worries about that as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, we had a few people uh, respond. Um, Michelle Marsh said that my runs are keeping me sane. Catherine McNee added that running is so important, especially when normality has been turned upside down. Um, but on, on a lighter note, commenting on the influx of new runners, <laughs> another person commented that they were trying to get a T-shirt printed that said, I was a runner before the virus, which I think is quite a nice touch. Yeah, I think we should try and get a run of those, uh, you know, because um, I mean that is that is that is a positive thing, isn't it? That um, that more people now are seemingly running um, than ever, which yeah. is which is obviously something that, that we want to mm. encourage. But yeah, I, I think I think it now it really is a worry now, isn't it? That that outdoor exercise is is now something that could potentially be yeah, of um, course, banned banned. Hopefully only for a short period, or hopefully not at all. But um, well, yeah, yesterday I, saw. I think the, uh, the I can't remember how many days in a row, but certainly the death rate in Spain was was dropping. Now I don't know how long they've been on full lockdown for, but it's got to be two weeks or so. So 
it depends on, I guess, on our, on the, the UK stats and how they behave um, and how further ne- measures might be needed. And obviously the full lockdown will work in terms of mm. s- stopping the spread. So that's going to be something that is taken into account, I guess. Um, I just think that, yeah, the new runners is fantastic. I mean, there's, it's fantastic. Like, you know, people are seeing the real merit in doing it. I kind of feel like part of the new, uh, part of the issue is that people who haven't run before are, are, are heading to the parks by default, perhaps, because they're not so, like you made a really good point the other day of, um, you were running on a roads that were completely, you wouldn't have ever thought about running there before because they were empty. Um, yeah, and I've seen a few people on Twitter of, of sort of experienced runners on Twitter have been chatting about using uh, their nuanced route finding capabilities to sort of search out empty spots, basically other roads, mm. industrial estates, things like that. Um, I don't think that's going to be in the mind of a new runner who wants to get out their house and just go explore. They're going to think I'm going to go somewhere for a run that isn't isn't awful which you know like an empty industrial estate is kind of yeah yeah i i agree with you that like um they're they're the kind of the obvious easiest sell aren't they yeah. like a, a nice green park and, and and even more so than that the thing that frustrates me possibly more than that is runners just cleaving to paths like particularly in in the current weather like it, it's as nice or even nicer an experience to run um off a path and I think if if actually something as simple as that would would have um, taken some of the anger out of of this debate early on, I think if if less if if, if runners were more prepared to to move off the path, and I, I do think dog walkers can, can have a slight entitlement thing as well of kind mm. of walking two or three abreast on the path and and being fairly oblivious to to other um, public space users as well. So it's not it's not just runners in this, but. I do think, yeah, moving off the path is just one simple way to um, to help here. Yeah, for sure. I would just encourage all all runners to be as imaginative as possible. I think when it comes to mm. their their route mapping, um, you know, don't go for the ones that you've always done. Those routes are now null and void because the chances are that they'll uh, they'll be busy spaces involved or parks or green bits. Um, so think about, you know those areas that you wouldn't have ever run before that might not be busy with traffic now or um you know just i found round by me actually the best the places is 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 a really is a is a it's a a very uh small one mile loop in in amongst the local streets that's dead easy to avoid everyone no one's walking yeah, around right. you know it's all residential um you might see the old person, but crossing the road is the easiest thing to do. And then you just you just have a set mile that you just keep going round. And I've actually found that to be not as boring as I imagined it would be. And also yeah. a lot more calming. I've, I've, just removing the stress of like thinking that you're going to bump into people and how to react is actually, yeah, quite, right. is actually quite nice. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, hey, some good news here, Ben. I think it can feel like, it can feel insensitive, can't it, to, to look at some positives that have come out of this, you know, given like the death toll and this is like a, a hugely tragic thing um yeah so economically for people but but there but there are some good things that have come out as well and i think it's, it's important and right to acknowledge that and one of those is we're talking about pollution the other day and and someone um annalise de glanville wrote in said um i was listening to listening to rick talk about air quality the other day and thought i'd mention the tensing air quality measure you can add to strava it's only in london i think um it's a collaboration between king's college hospital and uh, the sports drink Tenzing, uh, but it measures the air quality of each of your runs. Uh, she signed up. She said, "I live in East Dulwich, which is uh, South East London, um, and my local runs are usually between seventy to ninety on the air quality level. Um, but ran at eight a.m. the other morning, and it dropped to fifty. I'm not completely sure what these numbers apply to. But I should imagine that, that the higher the number, the more air pollution there is. So yeah. it's almost it's almost halved, basically, um, as a result of less people being out." on the road uh, so and I, I i do think that air pollution is is noticeably better yeah uh, in london i'm sure it's true of other, other big cities as well so you'd hope that maybe we can take some of these lessons away with us once once this is once this is over with and say actually you know what 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 were some of the positives that came out of this and, and can we put these into practice now in in better circumstances yeah definitely definitely 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Shall we welcome our guest of the week? Yes, let's do it. Our guest this week is one of Running's best-loved authors. His debut running with the Kenyans saw him travel to East Africa to learn from the world's greatest distance runners. And his latest book, The Rise of the Ultra Runners, explores the ecstasy and agony of running 100 miles. Here on the podcast to tell us more about how running can prepare you for times of crisis is Adaranand Finn. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, good. So I wanted to speak, Adaranand, today about, um, well about a few things but one of them would be about how running and maybe particularly long distance running can potentially prepare you for for tricky times and, and some of the skills that you learn maybe running 100 miles or running your best marathon actually they're, they're life skills as well as running skills and, and they actually they can help to sort of um, build resilience and, and perseverance um but just to sort of start with how has the current crisis um, affected you obviously it's affected everyone differently but as an author and a, a freelance writer um what impact is, has it had on you yeah well I, so for a start i live in devon uh, in the countryside so it's it's quite a nice place to be stuck uh, mm. which is which is nice so uh because a lot of the tension i'm feeling online when i when i go online uh, about runners uh getting getting a bad rep and all that kind of stuff seems to be happening in, in the cities where, so, so from a running point of view, I'm, I'm, I've been quite happy running around. I mean, I haven't been driving anywhere, but just from my house, there's all sorts of nice routes uh, right from the front door. Mm. So that's been great. Uh, as an author, I mean, people are still reading books. I mean, one of the few things you can do in a lockdown is, is to order a book, buy it and read it. So, uh, I mean, I've no idea how my book sales are going, but apparently generally book sales uh are doing quite well so yeah. hopefully people are buying mine as well i mean I, I've, I've had some financial implications in that i had quite a few speaking events coming up over the summer uh which have been cancelled and, and a few as assignments i had i was supposed to be actually in, in march running a my first ultra marathon since i finished writing my book in china of all places uh, wow. So that obviously got cancelled, uh, and that was, you know, for me that's work, so it's a job. So I'm having to kind of just be calm about that, uh, stay centred. I mean, in some ways, in this lockdown, I'm spending a lot less money. I'm not travelling around so much. So, so you know, hopefully it all balances out, out in the end. So I'm spending a lot more time with my family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which fortunately <laughs> is a, is a good thing. Uh, my kids have been dealing with this brilliantly. I've got two teenagers who have just been brilliant. They're doing a lot of cooking, uh, a lot of painting, uh, a lot of watching things on their phone as well. But you know, I've got to give them that space. Uh, we're trying to give each other enough space. Our house isn't huge, uh, but yeah, generally, I'm, I'm in quite, in some ways, quite enjoying it at the moment. I mean, we're two weeks in. Mm. 
but to be honest, it's been quite a nice two weeks. The sun's been out. We've got a nice garden where we live. Do you, do you, have, do you have a, a cockerel in that yeah. garden? There's, there's something kind of going yeah, in the background. It's amazing. So I, I, I told the cockerel, I just got someone to poke it so it would start <laughs> making. <laughs> well, I was also going to just to say that you've got your um, your your running holiday business as well. How's that? How's that been affected? Because travel is, you know, as an industry, has taken a huge hit. Yeah, that was that was probably my biggest stress at, at the point where the lockdown was being talked about. I had a I had a running camp coming up in 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 Dartmoor, and and the stress about whether to postpone to cancel that. That I mean, in hindsight, there was no option. I, I had to cancel it because it was only last weekend, this weekend just gone that it would have been. But say four weeks ago, it wasn't so obvious where we would be, yeah. and I had this huge stress. Do I cancel it? Do, you know, all these people are, are signed up. They paid me money. They're ready to come. And people were still, I, I kind of sent out a tentative email saying, you know, this is looking a bit dodgy. Maybe we might have to cancel this. And people were like, oh, no, we really hope this is going on. I'm really looking forward to it. I've had my London Marathon cancelled. You know, I really want to go on your camp. And uh, and I was finding that very stressful because suddenly my decisions were not just going to impact me, but also other people's plans. Uh, but in the end, we had to cancel it. But luckily, we've managed to move the date, the the house which we rent which was the big cost have allowed us to move it to october so hopefully by october yeah. we convene in dartmoor and uh, and 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 do it then uh, and i do have a few other things well not luckily i didn't have anything over the summer so i've got uh, another trip uh, to chamonix in september so again it's it's possibly going mm. to be effective but i'm hoping mm. it might be. of course it's not a good time to be trying to advertise for people to come on those trips right now. It feels wrong to suddenly start saying, "Hey, I've got a trip in September in Chamonix," because people, no, mm. because it, you know, is still, it's still touch and go whether that's, yeah. that's going to be, you know, who knows where we're going to be. But, but I, I did notice this morning the first tentative signs of uh, tiny, tiny inklings of good news out there with the the death tolls in Italy and. Spain and France and, mm. and number of cases starting to fall and talk about relaxation in the lockdown. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, nobody knows. It could be a second no. wave. Who knows? But but yeah, it's it's a big it's a big concern. And, and I have total sympathy for all those people who are much more invested in, in that business. I kind of do it as a as a thing on the side. But like race directors and running well, any tourism, it's uh, goodness me, there's a there's a lot of people losing their livelihoods right now and uh yeah i'm kind of only partially affected luckily in your in your recent book then or, or the latest book the rise of the ultra runners um you talked um a bit about having the right mindset for for running 100 miles um and i wondered if you think that you can draw any parallels between that kind of mindset that you need in, in a long race like that and the kind of the kind of mindset or maybe some of the skills you need to to get through a, a health crisis like this yeah it's interesting i've been i've been writing a blog uh and and it was funny when when everything was shutting down it seemed so it felt so overwhelming and, and i was getting so anxious and and everything was being cancelled and it was like life and and the world and the fabric of societies i knew it was shutting down so much i actually wrote this line there's this is not comparable to an ultra run because mm. you know people are dying this is way this is way worse mm. Two weeks in, as I find myself kind of in this in, almost endurance test in a way, like, you know, and, and not and in this very long, you know, we don't know, it could be another two weeks, could be another two months. Yeah. There are people talking about another year of this. I mean, uh, hopefully that's not right, but, you know, nobody really knows. And so then you realize there is something in, there is some kind of parallel with the ultra running. And that parallel is, is the one key bit of advice which I realized was crucial in ultra running and which everybody gave me, but which seemed so too simple. At, at first, it seemed like too simple. It was like, okay, that's great advice, but it doesn't actually mean anything. And then by the end, you realize that is actually the, the, the essential truth of it all. And that is staying in the moment. And when you're running a race, the minute you start worrying about what's going to happen or how far you've got to go particularly in a race that's the thought you always have oh my god i've still got like 50 miles to go mm. and that's the debilitating thought and i realize now two weeks in as we go one day at a time it's just like you just have to stay in that day you can't the minute i start thinking about september about my running camps the minute i start worrying about 
you know, when I can start rescheduling, you know, talks and I start getting anxious. I mean, you've got to deal with that. You've got to deal with that, but you've kind of not got to get fixated on that in the same way with, in a running race, you, you have to be aware of how far you've got to go. You have to be able to manage your pace, but you can't become fixated on that. You've got it. Your, your main focus has to be just right where you are. Just, you know, I'm just here. I'm just experiencing this moment. And because and, because usually you're fine in that moment, it's particularly in an ultra run. Most yeah. of the time, you're actually running at a pace you can you can manage. It's the thought of having to keep that going for, you know, another 10, 20 hours. That that's that's the really difficult bit to deal with. Mm. So there is there, there is that parallel. It's it's maybe a small crumb of of comfort, but I do find I do I do find the longer this goes on, the more I start feeling rather than. It even being a conscious thought but feeling this sense of it's a bit like an ultra run it's a bit like those races where I was in the middle of it and it seemed to be going on forever and the end wasn't in sight and I just kept going you just keep moving and and mm. in some ways the middle sections can be quite quite nice in the race sometimes the beginning of the race is almost overwhelming because you've got so far to go and it was a bit like that with this I felt like as everything was shutting down and the reality of mm what was coming that was almost the worst bit now we're in it i feel like okay i do feel i'm in this kind of ticking over one yeah. day at a time just kind of fairly tranquil and relaxed about it all really yeah even though you have been impacted financially i you know i haven't been able to run as much and but but at the same time things could be a lot worse i completely i completely agree with you on the um i think the first and i, and I thought the same thing maybe the first week actually isn't going to be the easiest week and then it's going to get much harder because it's just going on for the first week it's actually very traumatizing very overwhelming and actually this might on some level get easier you might hit a rhythm with with um, working from home and the new constraints we have to live by and actually then you might get a month that is that is relatively um where you can see some enjoyment in in the life that you're that you're now having to live yeah, and then I often wonder because in in a few of my races, even though I struggled at times during the races, quite often when I got to the finish, I was actually a little bit disappointed because I just got into this flow of being very much in the now, being very much at one with my movement and my my sense of tiredness. Part of me wonders. I just started looking at the news today about like in Austria they're going to relax the lockdown, and suddenly thinking, oh God, if I if, we, if tomorrow we just all went back to work and life returned to normal, I think there would be a part of me that would be a little bit disappointed because right. I've just got to this point where I'm, I'm kind of dealing with it now and I'm actually quite yeah. enjoying the fact that my, you know, my horizons have, have narrowed. I'm kind of more focused on my on my family and my immediate environment. Mm. And there's something quite nice about that that I would that I would kind of miss if we just suddenly had to go back. So, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of strange. It really is. I think runners as well, by sort of default, we are we are creatures of routine and rhythm. I think that that's kind of the, the running itself has a nice rhythm to it that we can, you know, mid-race you settle into a rhythm and you find yourself finding quite sort of finding solace in that rhythm and training blocks are always based around routine and, and these sorts of stuff. So I think that sort of first adjustment to a new routine is when everyone feels a bit, you know, awkward and this is, this is definitely a big adjustment to a, a very different routine. Um, but you, we, we are, we're sort of, maybe we have a slightly inherent ability to just adapt to these new routines and then sort of go with it for as long as we can because we're used to it. Yeah, and, and we're used to, and I, and I guess as runners, we, you know, it's a solitary sport, so we're used to spending time by ourselves, with ourselves. Mm. So that's uh, particularly ultra running. You, spend a, you can spend a lot of time by yourself or in... in what feels like a very small world in your own thoughts and <laughs> peripheral vision. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I, I was reading last night my uh, chapter about running around the track, the 24-hour running track, a 24-hour race around a running track, and, and that felt quite relevant in some way in that, you know, everybody's running smaller loops than they normally do. and they, But there can still be quite an, uh, a sense of rhythm and, like you say, kind of uh, just being... It's kind of an experience still to be had within that. Not everything has to be running up mountains and running. Initially, I was missing. I live quite near Dartmoor, and I was miss, missing going up to run on Dartmoor. But actually, it's fine. You know, I, I'm really enjoying my daily runs around these areas. And actually, I've discovered all sorts of new trails within a few miles of my house that I never knew were there, which is 
which is quite amazing as well. Do you think that your um, foray into ultra running that you, you talk about in the book has in some ways made you more resilient to, to other challenges? Do you, do you think it's given you those, those kind of coping skills or do you think it actually is best to look at as sort of its own separate thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to, to some degree, I mean, I, I, and a couple of runners said this to me at the time, and, and I do feel like that, particularly when it's a physical thing. Mm. I mean, sometimes if it's like, you know, financial problems or, or, you know, relationships or something like that, maybe it's not relevant. But when there's this kind of a physical endurance being being asked of you, which is almost what's happening now, this is becoming a bit of an endurance test. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel quite calm about that. I feel like, yeah, I've I spent two days running to the mountains. This is, I'm just sitting at home in the car. This is relatively easy, you know. And I do think, even though it's not necessarily, even I don't even necessarily probably haven't had that conscious thought. I think it's just a sense that mm. really, you know, I guess it's like people who've been complaining that people have been comparing this to the war when they're saying, well, you know, this is not, you know, you've just been asked to go home. This is not, you know, this is not difficult. And if you've been in through a war presumably this is nothing and and so i mean i'm not comparing an ultra run ultra race to being in a war but there, there are certain experiences you've been through once you've been through them that do you carry this sense of having this knowing this sense of being asked to to endure something and, and to cope with something that's quite difficult and mm. and you just feel like yeah it's not this is not such a big challenge so so personally i think it's there and, and like i say initially i think it was more the anxiety and the thought about what this meant and, and, you know, how many people were actually going to die. And was, was anyone I know in my family going to get it? Were my parents going to get it? And those thoughts, those concerns are making me very anxious. But now we're in it. Obviously, it's one of those things still might happen, but you can't spend your whole day worrying about these things that might or might not happen. Mm. And you just, you know, you just get into a rhythm. And, and so then that new challenge of just existing in, in a smaller world, and for an amount of time which you don't know how long that's going to go on yeah i think i think i've definitely drawn some some kind of strength at least without without being so conscious i feel like yeah I, i've been here i know i know what this is like. mm, mm. and i'm sure you know i'm sure all ultra runners would probably say the same i imagine mm. well i think yeah i think a lot of ultra runners if you say if you look at the types of kipchoge and 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 Courtney Dalwater, uh, Killian Jornet, and those guys—they all—they all run with a, a smile on their face. So, you know, I think that um, when you're ultra running, and I don't know—I'm not, I'm not an ultra runner—but you can sort of these people who cover vast distances. It's, it's staying positive is a is such an important part of staying in that situation and keeping positive. Um, do you think that's a sort of like a, a big plus of, of the whole thing is the positivity? Yeah, I mean it's not even positivity but definitely your state of mind plays a, a huge role in in running long distance running uh and Elliot Kipchoge is always going on about you know this he's he's only done what he's done because of of his power of, of the mind and mm. obviously I look at that and go well you're also pretty physically <laughs> 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 yeah. just is my mind I'm not sure I could run sub two hours for the marathon but <laughs> but there is an element of truth in it as well then that you know, your, your your mind can really weaken you. It can really debilitate you. And if you're going to be a good runner, you you can't do that with a, with a mind that's going to tell you you can't do it, tell you you're too tired, tell you you're struggling, tell you this is terrible, tell you you're going to die, tell you you're going to you're never going to make it. All those all those thoughts, if they're going around in your head, you're not going to become a great runner. And I think those like those runners you all mentioned, they're all very positive, kind of light people. They seem to have a light out outlook on life. They're not. They're not, you know, they don't seem like people from the outside, at least, who who are very anxious. And and I think, I think that's they 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 have control. Elliot Kipchoge says you have to be, have control over your mind. Don't let your mind have control over you. And I think they're all people that don't let the mind take over. And I think to to do an ultra run, of course, you're not working at their level that they're working at. But even to get to the finish of an ultra run, you also have to have that element of uh, ability to quiet in your mind and say okay i'm in charge here just just be quiet and and i think anyone who's got to the finish of an ultra marathon at whatever pace has gone through this point where the mind would have tried to stop them and and tell them to quit and the fact that they've got through that is is you know something that's shows that they can do it and you know 
they're in a similar situation here. I mean, some people obviously are in much worse situations than others. And, mm. you know, there are some people in situations I can't really even begin to fathom, start with people they, you know, abusive relationships or people who, you know, completely lost everything. But but for the majority of us, you know, it's it's just about staying calm. It's about letting the mind not rule us, not become completely overwhelmed by these negative yeah. which are bound to be going around and i think that's that's the parallel for me yeah and i think another adjective you could use to describe someone like Kipchoge would would be patience i think he seems like a very patient person and i think that i feel like with a crisis like this with, with no obvious end point um that we all we all do need to be patient and, we, and yeah we probably want this pandemic to pass as as quickly as possible but it may take months or as you say it may, it may take you know some people are talking about a year hopefully not um but I think that long distance running teaches you to be patient actually because it, you have to you have to you have to see the whole the whole process and, and not you know not give up now because it's because it because it's hurting you have to say okay I'm, I'm going to just I'm going to stick with this and I think actually that that's a skill I think patience now is, is, is a key skill to to getting through this yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I've been talking about ultra running, but obviously a marathon is still yeah, a long, yeah. and still requires patience. And you, you know, you can't, you can't even in a ten k. I mean, maybe a five k is probably short enough. If you get impatient, you'll get there still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of ten k up. You, there is an element of yeah, you have to kind of bide your time and you have to kind of get into a rhythm. And and uh, and yeah, the people who are really good at that definitely patience is is. Is, is a key attribute and again that's all linked to the same things we were talking about i mean if your mind starts going crazy you, you're gonna not be patient patient is about being calm it's about being in control of, of the of your situation and of your emotions and your thoughts and uh yeah yeah he's he's i mean he's he's the master isn't he <laughs> yeah he is yeah he's yeah. he's the master no doubt yeah, no doubt he did once tell me that uh, I don't know if this is relevant, but it's it's such a nice quote. I'll I'll drop it in anyway. I was asking he he beaten Kenanisa Bekele in the London Marathon, and he, and he'd uh, he'd kind of Bekele had run him pretty close, and about two miles to go, he'd finally dropped him. And I said, you know, how did you drop him? Because you know he's one of the greatest ever, and he was right on your heels. And he said, you don't drop anyone in a marathon. You just, the pace drops them. You just keep running at that pace, keep maintaining that pace mm. and eventually they'll drop. And I don't know how relevant that is, but <laughs> you don't drop anyone in a marathon. Like that. The, pace, yeah. the pace drops them. And, and I guess it's those of us who can, you know, we've, we've got to just stick with the pace, I guess is maybe the, maybe the message. Yeah. You talked of, um, I think to continue the chat on patience briefly and to get your, your take on a few of these, uh, incredible feats of running that people are doing in very very small spaces um, and how you think and the sort of the resolve that people are showing to continue running whatever the, the measures and sort of doing bal uh, marathons on balconies and and uh, you know marathons in their back garden and things like that I mean that's that's a whole nother level yeah it's amazing there's someone's climbed Everest up their staircase and yeah. then there's the backyard ultras ongoing at the moment. I think there people are about 150 miles in. I don't know if you've seen that one where there's, I think there were like 200 runners started. Everyone doing it in their own wherever they live. Some yeah. people are doing it on a treadmill in the basement. Other people are running around their block, and you have to run like 4.1 miles every hour. Then <clears throat> you get a rest, and then the next hour you go again. And yeah, there's just all these ways people are finding to 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 keep running even like you say people who've been completely restricted to their house and are doing it on the balcony or the guy was doing it around his kitchen table in, <laughs> in china and it's just yeah. amazing the, the urge to keep running is is pretty powerful obviously i mean i still get up i still wake up in the morning and i'm like oh do i really want to go for a run <laughs> <laughs> and then you go for a run and you come back and you think oh why did why did i even think i didn't want to do that but it's amazing there is that always amazes me how how people have such a strong urge to to run even and that's been illustrated in these times and and i guess there's something a bit like the the 24-hour running uh, race around the running track there's something kind of strangely to me i've always been slightly uh uh fascinated by these these competitions which reduce everything down to to a kind of microcosm there's a i talk about it in my book there's a competition called hand on a hard body in texas where everybody has to put their hand on this nissan hard body truck a pickup truck 
And so there's 45 contestants. They all put their hand on the truck. And then the last one to take the hand off the truck wins the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a brilliant, it's a, there's a brilliant documentary called Hand, Hands on a Hard Body. Uh, and, and it's just fascinating because they're not going anywhere. They just And it's an endurance test just of keeping your hand on a truck. But the, 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 the experiences and the epic, like, insights and, and the wisdom that comes out of these people like two three days into this competition and and the highs and lows and the drama it just shows that life while it is amazing to go out and explore the world there's a lot of life happening in can happen in a very small space as well and uh and as human beings if we're stuck in that small space we we don't necessarily just have to give up we can find ways of like uh, having those experiences and and I, yeah I, I i'm fascinated by all these people doing these very very big feats in small spaces i'm quite tempted to try and think of a good one myself yeah. <laughs> especially if this goes on longer because maybe we could maybe we could do the unending podcast the, the, fir- the first person to <laughs> to hang up <laughs> um this, this is slightly off topic but me and ben were talking beforehand that there's there's a bit of a um animosity uh between uh different sort of uh, uses a public space in London partly because it's the parks are quite busy and and um, I think some dog dog walkers are accusing runners of having no spatial awareness and vice versa. Is it? Do you sense that there is that kind of um, that kind of concerns where, where perhaps you have more space like down in Devon, or do you think that this might be just a problem that affects um, sort of big cities? I think that there's definitely an element of it here. I think a lot of it is about fear. And I've actually noticed it's got better over the two weeks. I felt like two weeks ago, I, I was a bit shocked, actually, because I hadn't. My understanding was that you had to be next to somebody for 15 minutes before you could before you even considered a risk of, of mm. having caught. Yeah. Unless, unless they cough on you or sneeze on you. So I was under the understanding that if someone ran by you, that was not not an issue, that there was almost zero chance of getting getting con- getting the virus mm. and so I was amazed people were jumping out of my way as I was running I was like whoa whoa and I, I wasn't very you know I wasn't enjoying having that effect on people and then I realized oh god I've got to slow down I've got to like I've got to give them the space because people are scared and I can yeah. tell people are scared yeah. of me and that was really weird I was like oh my god I'm just running but people are scared of me and so I can see that and, and imagine but what and I imagine in London it's worse because, you know, there's more people in a smaller space. Mm. But what I've noticed is I guess people have got used to the situation. And, and I've found people are – I mean, I, I'm obviously now much more aware of it myself. So when I see somebody, I, if, if they've got their back to me, I'll slow down. I'll, I'll actually say, which before I would, like, kick the ground or cough, which I'm definitely not doing now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. my presence because coughing is the worst thing you can do. Uh but I'll just say, oh, excuse me, I'm just, you know, I'm just behind you. And, and, and they'll happily step to the side and I'll go on the other side of the, of the path. Mm. And I found people are, right now, yesterday I went for, for quite a long run, you know, nine mile run, along uh, by some people's <laughs> estimations. And, and nobody, nobody jumped. Everybody was quite calm as I came up to them and, and they walked on one side and I walked on the other and everybody said hello, everyone smiled. So I didn't get that sense I almost felt like we'd found our place. Whereas a few weeks ago, I think when it first happened and nobody, everyone was kind of a bit fearful. I could definitely sense it down here as well. But, uh, but fortunately it feels like it's improved. And so when I see these stories online about the kind of war between the walkers and the runners, mm. I'm, it kind of it still unnerves me a bit. And I went out yesterday, I actually wore running gloves. I thought maybe that will, illustrate to people that i'm i'm being as careful as i can i'm wearing gloves and everything even when i'm mm. running just not that I don't, I don't know if that actually helps but just kind of illustrate that i'm mm. being uh, but i found the res- people were very friendly yesterday i mean it was sunday i don't know if that helps but <laughs> yeah. it wasn't i mean this nice weather has, has made it tricky because this i actually live on right on the edge of a small town right in the countryside and and normally these trails that i run you never see anybody there and and there's there's ten times as many people out walking and, and, and running as well than, than than normally is. Now there's still plenty of space, but I'm uh, it's still quite surprising to be coming upon so many people. But I think they've got used to the fact that who's who's using this space and, and we've all just calmed down a little bit, is is my feeling. Well if if you like it, Aaron, we, we can we can include you on in our T shirt run of um I was a runner before the virus that me that me and Ben are getting printed. 
<laughs> yeah, I hear there's a big boom in running. Well, I see, like I say, I still see more runners out. Uh, I realise, you know, there's a reason. Almost every lockdown in Japan, they're having a, they're announcing a state of emergency. Lockdown, shop shut, blah, blah, blah. Only allowed out for essentials and daily exercise. And on one level, you think, daily exercise, is that essential? Why is everyone... Why is every lockdown allowing people out to exercise? And I think it's because, you know, we need the population to stay healthy. Mm, and yeah. uh, because, you know, if you get the virus, if you're healthy, you're going to fight it off better. That's my understanding anyway. And so I don't feel because there's a sense when you read all this stuff online that maybe I shouldn't be running. It's not that essential for me to go out running. But actually, you know, I think you're probably helping more than you're hindering the, the situation by going out for a run and I noticed the governor of New York uh, Andrew Cuomo who's dealing with one of the worst situations in the world over the coronavirus he was in, interviewed yesterday about what what he's doing to you know personally because obviously he, in his job he's dealing with it personally he said he's taken up running and uh, yeah. uh, and he's obviously saying that to kind of encourage people because he's worried that people are going to get cabin fever there's mental health issues also that if people do get cabin fever and mental health issues, then they're going to break the the restrictions in other ways, which are less helpful. If you can get out for your daily run, you're keeping yourself sane, you're keeping yourself healthy. I think you're helping. You're definitely helping. I mean, you obviously try not to run too close to people, don't cough on people, don't spit. But I think people, in my, in my experience, people are doing that. And uh, maybe it took a week or two for that to happen. Yeah. Maybe people are still complaining about the thing that happened to them a week ago but it feels like as 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 people walking are now more accepting of me I've obviously become more careful more and more careful and I think yeah I think it's important that it, runners don't get scared off and don't get the feeling that they shouldn't be running because I think it's 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 a really important thing that that people do some kind of exercise I mean if you're not running you're not running you do something else but I mean, then there are not many other things you can do, though, in this situation. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I was a runner before, uh, <laughs> still a runner now. So that's. Uh... And you'll be you'll be a runner when this is when this is all over as well. Um, and, and I hope many people who started off now will remain runners. I think that would be a lovely um, legacy of this. If actually it led to more people um, taking their health Um seriously that'd be great exactly i mean that could have there are there are silver linings to all this i mean obviously it's a terrible thing but if yeah if people discover they enjoy being outside being out going for walks in the country as well if people discover they like that and do that more often that's great as yeah. well i don't know do you have your own podcast as well can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i, I started that quite recently uh and I, the idea is it's called the way of the runner conversations on running with the darren and finn uh, and in some ways, it's just this. Uh, the idea was it was kind of an extension of a lot of the interviews and meetings I was doing when I was researching the books. I'd spend a lot of time talking to someone, getting some brilliant stories from them. But then I would, uh, you know, I'd use one or two lines in the book. And I just thought, you know, well, <laughs> I did. I did wonder, does the world need another podcast? There are obviously a lot of podcasts, but I felt like... Uh, I'd give it a go, and uh, and I've had some pretty interesting guests so far. I, I interviewed Ronnie O'Sullivan, oh, uh, great yeah. player, who is a surprisingly good runner. I'm, not many people would realise that. Uh, 34 minute 10k runner, and wow. uh, yeah, which is not bad. Huh? And nice, then pretty uh, good. Uh, Beth Pascal, the ultra runner, and also Chrissy Wellington, the I, I didn't actually realise quite how amazing she was. She never oh, lost yeah. Ironman. She ran. She competed in, I think, 14 Ironmans, including four world championships, and, and won them all. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> having, having come to the sport quite late, only discovered triathlon when she was about 29, did her first you know, amateur triathlon. So, so yeah, she's, she's a lovely person. So, yeah, so it's called The Way of the Runner, uh, Conversations on Running. I, I'm, sure you, I'm sure people can find it if they put my name in a podcast thing. That's my, my, my current... Uh, project at the moment i'm not writing another book just yet uh so that's that's what i'm up to well thank you so much for for giving up the time to speak with us on the runners world podcast it's great great to chat to you about um ultra running and uh and life in general so thank you very much okay brilliant well nice to chat to you both this is the runners world podcast so that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast a big thanks to our guest adaran and finn and to you of course for listening 
The Runners World podcast is available on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a review and remember to tune in next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.